So many of you know that today is graduation Sunday, and uh, so we have asked our youth minister, Hannah Barden, to deliver our sermon. In the name of one God who is creator, redeemer, and sustainer, amen. Good morning. There is a metaphor that I like to use from time to time when I'm working with teenagers, especially when they have just begun to learn to drive. <laughs> now, when we're learning to drive, we all hear some form of the same instruction, to keep your hands at 10 and two on the steering wheel. Some of us learn how to change a spare tire in case of a flat, uh, but all of us hear some kind of 10 and two. When teenagers come to me with their struggles or their triumphs or the everyday nonsense that is being 15, I'll sometimes ask them, is their prayer life like their steering wheel or their spare tire? Is prayer something they hold on to at all times and trust to guide their lives, even when they're in cruise control? Or is prayer more like that last minute side of the road patch when things have gone off the rails? Is it the first thing they touch at the start of their day and the last before they turn in for the night? Or something they whip out when there seems to be no other option? I'll be the first to admit that my prayer life drifts into the spare tire end of the spectrum more than I would like. It's easy to coast when things are going well. However, when things fall apart, that's when prayer can feel like this magic band-aid that will somehow solve this mess that I've gotten myself into. I've had to make a conscious effort to keep myself in prayer during different seasons of my life. When my friends and I blew an actual tire on the side of I-95 on our way home from summer camp, you can bet we were praying in the median. But the rest of the drive, we had been content to listen to music and take naps because we were fine. Nothing had gone wrong. Both of our readings today concentrate on prayer. But for now, we're going to focus on the reading from Acts. Here we see the apostles wrestling with a major decision. The 12 apostles have become the 11, and someone has to take Judas's place. The apostles have gone on as best they can without their missing member, and have witnessed the risen Christ and his ascension into heaven. They have witnessed their friend and teacher crucified only to rise triumphantly three days later. They got to hear firsthand from Jesus Christ himself that their sins were forgiven and he had overcome death for each and every one of them. The original 12 were handpicked by Jesus, pulled out of their, their ordinary lives and into an extraordinary ministry. But now how would they replace Judas and who would take that place? At the beginning of today's lesson, we hear a verse that sheds some light on how they chose to handle that situation. All of the remaining 12 apostles are named, and then in verse 14, it says, all of these were constantly devoted in prayer. All of these were constantly devoted in prayer. The decision of who would take the place of Judas was not made quickly or lightly. The apostles devoted the, were devoted in their prayers in constant conversation with God. Just before the lots were cast, 
we hear Peter pray one last time on the matter. Lord, he says, you know everyone's hearts. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship. Even with all of their experience, Peter still turns to prayer to, before making the final call. Peter knows that no matter how well he knows Barsabbas and Matthias, only the Lord knows the innermost places of their hearts. By taking this matter into prayer, Peter places the decision squarely in the hands of God. We see the group come together and nominate two men, both very qualified and willing to take the job. They both had the confidence of Jesus' chosen apostles, so surely that had to count for something. Either one of them could do the job. Matthias and Barsabbas have both been with the apostles since Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan and have witnessed the entire Jesus event. They had followed Jesus and the apostles throughout their ministry. They've both been close to Christ, but not yet received the official title of apostle. But the lots are cast, and they fall to Matthias, and he gets to take the place in the twelve. This story of replacing Judas comes from the very beginning of Acts, right at the beginning of the apostles' ministry without Jesus. Jesus had just ascended to heaven, and the apostles are in this sort of limbo where they don't have Jesus with them physically, but they're also waiting for this Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised them. All through that time, the apostles were dedicated to the model that Jesus had set forth for them. Prayer was their steering wheel. They turned to prayer both when there were major decisions to be made, but also throughout their day-to-day -day lives. We see the early church come together in their commitment to prayer. Instead of taking the situation into their own hands, the apostles trusted in God's faithfulness and supported one another in prayer. Because they prayed before casting the lots, they could be sure that the Matthias was God's chosen to take Judas's place. Let me give you an example of this steering wheel prayer from my life. The diocese offers a youth weekend every year called Happening. Now, if you've been to Happening or you're familiar with it, you know that the number one rule is don't spoil the surprises for the people who haven't been yet. I won't ruin your weekend if you are planning on signing up for our September weekend, but I do want to share this one story with you. The first time that I was on team in high school, my entire job was to pray for the weekend. In that instance, my prayer was certainly a spare tire. I would remember every now and then and say a quick prayer and carry on with my life. My senior year, however, some of my friends from this youth group helped me remember to keep my prayer as my steering wheel. One of my friends was in the swim team and he would pray for the weekend every time he got in the water. Another played tennis, and he would pray for the weekend whenever he picked up a tennis racket. Another would pray at every red light and stop sign on her way to and from school every day. At any rate, my friends helped me keep my prayer as an active part of my life. They helped me keep it as my steering wheel. Because we came into that weekend with this mindset of prayer, we were able to see so clearly the amazing ways in which the Holy Spirit worked through us and our friends and the candidates and their parents, and it was truly incredible. Now, 
The story of Judas's replacement is not one that we think of when we think of the Bible's greatest hits, but it does offer us a beautiful example of how we can use prayer as our steering wheel. While we watch for God to move in our lives, we are given the opportunity to just talk to God. I don't fully know how prayer works. Sometimes it feels awkward and clunky, like I'm just talking to the air. Other times I can feel God's presence like the sun on my face. Either way, it gives me a connection to God, one that I can choose to use for guidance and direction or as a last minute patch when I'm stuck on the side of the road. Peter and the apostles were constantly devoted in prayer. They may not have known what a steering wheel was, but that's what prayer was for them. Can you imagine being in a car without a steering wheel? No matter how straight and smooth the road may be, it's still a scary thought. By the grace of God, we are given a steering wheel in life. We are given prayer that we can cling to no matter where life takes us. We are so blessed to have a God who is not only available to us, but who desires to hear from us. We don't know where life will take us. We don't know what twists and turns might be on that road. What we do know is that no matter where we're headed, no matter what life throws at us, we have a God who will lead us and a prayer that will ground us. Curves, potholes, and all. Amen.